0: This is Melissa, and it is the 30th of July, 2023. And this Redux is from a talk that Alan did August the 7th, 2013. World Core Magic Creates the Tragic Nomadic. The culture industry is a potent tool for directing the future. It can fool youth especially into Vehicle for Change fits elites' plan to order and rearrange society's new normals, lower expectations, accepting authoritarianism across nations, trained in sync for the new social order, ending sovereignty, scrubbing each border, vast labor forces now are nation-hopping as corporations rise, then go down flopping, or else move where business cost is cheap. The masses accept this without a peep blatant corporate mockery of democracy, paid-off politicos full of hypocrisy. I started trying to make an introduction to this several hours ago, and I've recorded in total about an hour and a half, and I finally concede defeat. I will say that I looked into the Aspen Institute more. This week my research led me to what I consider the top of the pyramid of the Aspen Institute, and I realized when I was trying to convey what I had discovered that I lack either the skills or maybe finesse is a better word to put it across. I'm going to address what I've found in writing. There is a point in Alan's talk where he's talking about inflation, and then he got into the money system. He said, and this is the con of this money system and the gangsters and the banksters that run the world, basically. It's run by them. It is run by the banksters at the top. And at the top, there are only a few families at the very top, about 13 families that have been here for centuries actually running the whole system. And also there are 200 families below them that do most of the investments every day on the stock exchange and they slush around millions and millions of dollars, massive millions of dollars every day. But anyway, into the system that they've given us is built in inflation and then he goes on to talk about inflation. But this is the key point of my discovery of the the top of the so-called Pyramid of the Aspen Institute, is that I have found most assuredly two of the families in that 200 families below the 13 who do most of the investments and are slushing around a lot of money, and that is the Pritzker family and the Crown family. And what I discovered is eye-opening and... Very worth investigation. So, anyone who wants to follow me down that rabbit hole, please look at the links that I will supply not on this talk but in the article that I post, which is not written and not uh, titled. So, just look for a not sure piece that accompanies this talk, and I will share a little bit of what I've uncovered about the Pritzker family and the Crown family and their connection to Aspen, this, the town of Aspen, and the Aspen Institute, and geopolitics. Very very interesting. Um, certainly never was a follower of politics, but after this little foray into the Aspen Institute. I I can certainly see clearly, very clearly, what a sham politics across all nations are. So again, this is a pyramid, and last week I covered what I now see as the base by the Aspen Ideas Festival, and all of the different programs that are funded, and the fellowships that run through them, and the young leaders, and the uh, security fellowship winners and the Aspen Strategy Group with the with the trustees of the board itself and the Aspen Strategy Group you get into the middle of the pyramid but this week I looked into what are the lifetime trustees of the Aspen Institute and it was there that I realized I was looking at the the top of the pyramid so to speak of the Aspen Institute very interesting I'll let you read that and follow the links, and perhaps you'll see what I see, and I will leave it at that. I I wanted to mention once again the real history that I did with Darren in South Africa and Petrus, who is bringing attention to the farm attacks, and I think that this is something that I want to return to again in that format, that I'm encouraging those of you who listened to that talk or watched the video that I made, and were moved by this to support it, I I see that he is a third of the way to his stated goal on the Back of Buddy donation crowdfunding system. And the goal is very modest. I certainly think that amongst people who listen to that talk, we can help him achieve that goal. So here is Alan with a very good talk that touches on foundations and how they shape the world that we live in completely, totally. Touches on the Aspen Institute and then if you're interested, you can read what I'm going to write about these two families. Thank you.
1: Hi folks, I'm Alan Watt, and this is Cutting Through the Matrix on August the 7th, 2013. For those who are new to the broadcast, you should go into the website cuttingthroughthematrix.com. There's lots of audios for free download and I take you through the big system that you're born into. The system that's all around you, everyone accepts it, although they never think their way through it. And they accept it because everyone accepts it. It's simply there, so it must be normal, and therefore you accept it. But really, we're, we're living through a planned society, a global society, by the way. And big, big plans are made by private organizations, not governments. And these private organizations are far wealthier, of course, than any government, because... Uh, the, the foundations they set up at the early 20th century uh, had billions at that time of dollars and pounds in them, and today they're into the trillions of dollars to spend, and they're classified as, as charitable organizations and philanthropies because they, uh, they fund big projects across the world, mainly do with altering the politics across the world, and the way we view life in general too. That's set up by the biggest bankers of their time, who formed these agencies, these private clubs, such as the Royal Institute for International Affairs, CFR, and so on. Now they have branches across the whole world, which advise governments on all kinds of policies, because these big foundations have the big, big think tanks too, just like the Rand Corporation. And the Rand Corporation, uh, again, is classed as a charitable institution, which charges billions sometimes of dollars for any study on any particular thing. So we're run by private organisations over which we have no control and we're still given this farce of democracy. Now the big organisations like the Royal Institute for International Affairs came up with the idea a long time ago to bring in the global society with free trade and the free movement of goods and labour across all borders. And they've set up all the machinery for it, all the legalities have been done, and treaties have been signed by all countries to allow this to happen today. And, of course, um, that's why the opinion of the pluralistic societies, etc., multiculturalism across the world, all of these things are all part of it, all decided by private institutions that drafted up the documents and handed it to the governments, which signed them all through the World Trade Organization, uh, and the World Bank, again, private institutions belonging and set up by the Royal Institute of International Affairs. So it's funny that it's never ever mentioned much in the media, these organisations, because every top reporter for the media and the owners of the media, the big moguls, are all members of this institution as well. They're all on board with the agenda. And the whole idea of that, too, was to standardise the news across the world. Uh, therefore, you would have no conflicting stories uh, on any particular topic we don't get the same indoctrination at the same time and that's how it works today and we think it's all normal because we don't know uh, that private organisations have a big agenda and they, wrote, they run the world like a big business plan with 50 year plans to achieve certain goals 100 year plans for other ones just the same as the United Nations which they also set up and uh, and this old Soviet Union which also ran on, on plans 5, 10, 50 and 100 year plans So it's hard for the average person to understand this or even believe it because when you're born into this system, most folk are born on the lower levels of the ladder and they struggle through life. They they, they actually sometimes don't know where they're going in life because things are so chaotic now with jobs, employment, and future and all the rest of it. It's hard for them to believe that that anything is stable in this world never mind plans that are made and actually are made to, it made to happen 50 years down the road. But that's exactly how it truly really does work and has worked for a long, long time. So happy to see up to the website CuttingThroughMatrix.com. I remember too, you support me as, along the way by getting the books and discs I have at CuttingThroughMatrix.com, and I go through it all on, on those books too because the art of conning the public and it truly is conology, very old tactic Pre-ancient priests even understood how to take over the minds of millions of peoples and create empires, and by giving them new religions, etc. And out of that, they came. Uh, all the, they, they gathered all the evidence of, on how to control people's minds, and lots of them eventually grafted, grafted, in, or grafted into, uh, you might say, uh, being advisors to the early forms of governments and kings and queens, and right down to the present time of governments too. So these arts are well understood and, and the, the, the processes of uh, managing great populations are, are easily understood today. Today, of course, they have also neuroscientists on board uh, and historians as well as philosophers, by the way very important to have them all on board to find out how ancient societies worked up the present and the tactics they used, but they also used to say the behaviorists and psychologists, neuroscientists, etc., all working uh, to, to shape uh, the policies for governments to follow. And that's what we live through today. And remember, too, the culture industry is a big, big part of this, very important part of this from the ancient times to the present, because Uh, City societies uh, need lots of entertainment, as Plato said a long time ago, and they become the beehives for change, since they're already in an artificial uh, society. inside, Crammed inside a city is an artificial way of living. Everything must come in to the city to support them, to keep them alive, and they must also use a a, a fake, a substitute form of uh, exchange or barter, which they call money. And through money and those who manage the money, they control the cities and ventures of the world. Nothing has changed up to the present time. So go through the website, as I say, and to buy the books and disremember from the US to Canada, you can still use personal checks or international postal money orders from the post office. Or you can send cash and straight donations are seriously welcome. As I say, most folk struggle through life. They struggle through life never really knowing for sure where where they're headed. And they think that, and they're taught to think too, that crises just appear suddenly uh, out of nowhere, like wars, things like that, and financial crashes on a massive scale. And they've no idea these are planned in years in advance. Years in advance. Lots of evidence to to this factor too. But uh, again, the present media tries to, plays along with the politicians and pretends that uh, it's just happening now and the politicians are there to solve the problems. Remember the wars to do with Afghanistan Iraq uh, and right through the whole Of of the uh, the Arab countries Were planned in the 90s at least least These were published back then Before 9-11 happened A whole list of them was published by the PNAC group In the US Who wanted to take out uh, Iraq uh, Afghanistan and uh, Syria And other countries too So did Israel, they were on board with the same Countries to be taken out By the US And they published it in their own papers too so we're living through it. Plus the bank crashes as well. The boys, the insiders, are new for five years at least. At least five years. I'm sure it was much, much longer for higher levels. That they, they crashed the banks in 2008, and it was all arranged, etc. Amongst them all, by the way. So we're living through planned. Changes Now, when you get into the long-term changes, it's to do with cultural changes. That's the most important part of all, because culture, as I say, is the most important part of controlling societies, changing societies, radically altering their cultures. Behavior—it's uh, not just through fashion, etc., uh, sexual mores, everything, e- even families, etc.—all following what was called the Marxist concepts at one time, which was also part of the, the so-called far-right concepts from the the Royal Institute for International Affairs, London, the top bankers, because they themselves wanted to bring in a planned society, and many of them too have talked in their own their own memoirs about reading Plato's Republic. And in Plato's Republic, he went through the, the perfect utopia they'd create, where the elite the intelligentsia could rule, rule the world properly, and uh, all women would be held in common. Many, many ways to, to view that, you understand. But if you bring out promiscuity and methods of, so they'll never bond for life with a partner and have children, then technically they'd make their rounds, which means that eventually they'd get around to most of the guys around them. So all women are in common one way or another. Many ways to achieve your goal, you understand. And um, they decided uh, in the 1920s that, that, and before that, from H.G. Wells. In fact, his first book was on uh, free love in the late 1800s. And who was sponsoring him? Well, it was it was actually Darwin's best friend who picked him up and promoted him into the public limelight as a propagandist. Back with more after this. Hi, folks. We're back, cutting through the matrix. I've said many times before that uh, people don't realise that the big plans that were made to bring in really the 60s lifestyle in the 1920s, the Roaring Twenties, in came the miniskirt, the Charles and and so on, and they brought in drugs and they made prohibition. They brought that in too at the right time, which made booze cans really sexy for, for and bad, bad anything that's bad. Young youngsters, youngsters will go into, and of course after that too, they find there's way more people drinking and alcoholics than there was ever before. It, so. It really started the, the whole promiscuity thing, too. But the one thing they didn't have at the time was the was uh, contraceptive pills, and they didn't have um, antibiotics for all the diseases that were spread, and they didn't have all the free abortion clinics, too. So uh, there's a lot of fallout from that. So they went back to work. They used the taxpayers' money in every country, and they came out with the, with the contraceptive pill early on. The 1960s really gave it out for free, in fact, in some countries and then brought the same agenda right back in, the music, the miniskirts, uh, promiscuity, drugs, and so on, and with the hippie generation, and they got it all going. The intention was, and many writers who who really really planned this whole culture, like Bertrand Russell talked about it too, that it would help to destroy marriage, because it was obsolete now, and government had to become very, very strong, and be able to really order in an authoritarian fashion the general public. Families were generally rather large. They stand up against uh, government often when they were picked on. If someone was picked on, and eventually uh, the government be able to talk right down to the individual with no one standing up for that individual. H.G. Wells talked about it too, and that was her goal. And also uh, you find out that uh, 1984, the, the movie in the book, 1984, also had that in it too, where you had a screen in your home and government talked right down to you. Now, of course, even in Canada, they're bringing out some kind of a USB stick where you can stick in and you have direct communication with government because eventually government's going to run your life for you directly and it's all going along in the right agenda, you see. So all culture is altered by those who want to alter it and who have the money, the financing, and they already own the machinery of, of the culture industry. Very simple, folks, and it doesn't happen by itself. Anybody can be been to be a star today. And in fact, for a long, long time, there's a machinery behind making a star. Uh, the talent really is secondary, uh, often actually it's maybe even done to third place, uh, but anyone can be made a star, and with enough promotion, youngsters will follow that star like crazy. It happens all the time, and it's, it will always happen that way, so they know how to use them. Then you and also know what kind of music to bring in too, what the theme of the music will be about, and they promote that as well. And of course the culture is simply monkey see, monkey do. as as Darwin said himself that's what you do with cultures so you find that we're run by private institutions as I've said before organisations we do not elect and uh, this does away with the whole farce of democracy completely actually government's there to rubber stamp the agenda because all the top politicians are members again of the private clubs like the Royal Institute for International Affairs, Council on Foreign Relations across the world by the way now, here's an article here to do with uh, uh, Aspen, the Aspen Institute, very important institute, in fact. And um, you'll find Aldous Huxley's wife was well-associated with that institute at the beginning, in fact. And they've done big, big experiments on the population down through the years. If you can dig into them, you'll find them. And But here's an article here to do with uh, uh, a schedule on ideas, the, the Aspen Ideas Festival that we went on, I think, in June. And it said, and you have to look, look at this. i put this link up tonight, too, at All of the articles I always do at the end of the night. But it goes through the list of, of those who uh, were attended this. Top directors, musical directors uh, attended. All the top biggies ones attended it. And they joined a group of distinguished conductors, as well as artists, community leaders. Very important. NGOs, non-governmental organizations, community leaders, and cultural thinkers. Uh, for an, an enlightening conversation about musical citizenship, this is. This session is the culminating event of a symposium convened by Harman e- Eisner, artist in residence uh, Yo-Yo Ma on music and community mobilising in the 21st century, and it gives you a list of the other people who attended. All the biggies, you see. Now, what it's about too, it was held, is for a civic rite of passage. Now, these are guys all involved in the culture industry. you Understand, a civic rite of passage. The case for national service in the U.S. and elsewhere for the youth, you see. And the generals there from the military, etc., etc. But it says, um, back at the 2012 Aspen Ideas Festival, General Stanley McChrystal spoke compellingly about how our nation, oh, the notion of service had become dangerously narrow, with less than 1% of Americans serving in the military, and challenged us to explore new pathways and opportunities for service to country. Inspired by this call to action, the Aspen Institute launched the Franklin Project to, uh, to envision and create a civic right of passage for young Americans through a year or more of national service. The session will reflect on some of the big ideas and takeaways from the Franklin Project's 21st Century National Service Summit. As is uh, Stanley E. McChrystal, John Brisland and Alan kazi Elliot Gershon and Sidra Bonner attended it too. Uh, and th- th- So they said, one nation which is divisible, Issue key, not indivisible. One nation, divisible. It says one of the, the topics was principled pluralism. The report of the Inclusive America Project on America's changing religious landscape, it's due with multiculturalism, mass immigration from other countries. By the way, which are planned even more so than, than not just from Latin America, but from outside, uh, like the ones that have gone through Europe, and etc. And this is how do we engage America's religious pluralism as a force for the common good? David Gergen will report in the findings of the new report called Principal Pluralism, report of the Inclusive America Project, prepared by a distinguished panel convened by the Institute's Justice and Society Programme. Gergen will all describe how America's religious diversity is a source of civic engagement and how we can bridge religious differences to build a stronger social fabric and so on and so on it's quite a lengthy article and I'll put this up tonight and you can see who attended it the lectures that they gave on it uh, and so on and so on lots of uh, government employees there too so that's to do with cultural changes guiding the future through cultural changes the youth don't know they always are given things which they think are radical and they want it's bad so they always join it never knowing they're being used every generation's been used since at least the 50s and uh, and they don't know it. Even the songs are given to them to follow, even the dress is given to them to follow, the outfit that's your sign of of being a rebel, you see. It's all done by the fashion industry, which is a part of the cultural industry, of course. But I'll put this up tonight for those that want to go through it, because culture does not, uh, believe you me, nothing comes from the grassroots. If it did, as Plato, as Plato said all that time ago, the elite would have to squash it because the elites allow all culture from the top down to take place, not the other way around. It's always been that way. Because with the big plans that there's always in motion, anything from the grassroots could upset a ripple effect through all the plans of the elites, you see. So it's not allowed. It's always squashed. And you can't get funding for it anyway. Also, too, Big training exercises going on in the U.S. Of course, they do this every year. National Terror Response Training Exercise. That's what they're calling it now, National Terror Response. Before it was earthquake responses and so on. Now it's National Terror Responses Training Exercise. And it says uh, thousands of members of the armed forces, including members of the Indiana National Guard, were participating in mass disaster trainings in Jennings County called Exercise Vibrant Response is in full effect at the took Training camp in Cap-Atterbury in Johnson County. 5,000 members of the military and civilians from across the country taking part in a two-week large-scale disaster response exercise. It's a, it's the, the one of the scenarios is a nuclear terrorist attack in Columbus, Ohio, and the backdrop is as close to the real thing as it gets they got all the medical mannequins, which they used to blow up, of course, in no, the H-bomb and A-bomb tests. And three and live role players are part of the exercise. They also bring amputees in all the time. I remember I read the article a while back after the Boston bombings. And uh, they bring real amputees in uh, on these exercises. And I'll continue with this after these messages. Hi, folks. We're back, cutting into through the Matrix. Tonight, I'll also put up an article and a link to uh, about vibrant response from the, the United States Army's own website, if, if you want to read that, too. Now, also, too, we know that the smart grid is not – everything's international, remember. Everything they tell you about today, even the, the con job that they got massive financing in Britain – for their fracking industry, massive financing in the U.S. for their fracking industry, and the whole idea and, and, the, and the propaganda at the time was, "Oh, we'll have uh, we'll have a hundred years of natural gas for our use at home. Once they get it all up and working, the first thing they do is start exporting it, folks." That's what they do, and they've done it, actually. So we're conned at every, every turn. So same with the smart grid, too. It isn't just a spy mechanism. It's also a system where they can turn off certain sections and areas and countries or the whole country if they wanted to, and eventually it's a, be a global system of a global grid. I put the articles up before from IBM about the smart global grid. And, again, private uh, companies do these things and go along with it, too, and you still see we're living in democracies. We've had no say in anything at all. But anyway, Smart Grid Advancement Act is introduced in the U.S. Congress. Take action to stop it today. I'll put this link up tonight because it, there, there's, um, there's people protesting it, and you can get in on the act as well. This is two members of Congress. It was Jerry McNerney. Uh, and uh, Matt Cartwright, Democrat, have in- introduced a congressional bill, HR 2685, that apparently require all electricity providers, including rural co-ops and municipal utilities, to join the smart grid and install smart meters. Now, the smart meters, too, remember, you, you got extra cash uh, when you pay. I mean, you pay extra cash for having the, the meter in because it's a private company that, that does the, the automatic readings from it. And then, so, so now you got another party involved, uh, as long as the, as long along with the suppliers and so on. So your, your prices go up and up and up. It's all for profit, etc. So I'll put this article up tonight, and you can have a, a good look at this. It's quite good, quite a good website actually. But it's called Stop Matters. It stop 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 smart meters, I should say, and uh, it's, a, it's worthwhile reading and getting involved if you can. Also, 40% of U.S. workers make less than what a full-time minimum wage worker made back in 1968. And it's uh, it's said here that American workers are paid enough. That's that's a topic that's endlessly debated all across the Great Land and so on. Unfortunately, what pretty much everyone can agree on is that American workers are not making as much as they used to make after you account for inflation. Back in 1968, the minimum wage in the U.S. was $1.60. An hour. It says, that sounds very small, but after you account for inflation, a very different picture emerges. Using the inflation calculator that the Bureau of Labor Statistics provides, $1.60 in 1968 is equivalent to $10.74 today. And then this is the con of this money system and the gangsters and the banksters that run the world, basically. It's run by them. It is run by the banksters at the top. And, and the top, uh, there's only a few families at the very top, but 13 families. Uh, they've been here for centuries, actually, running the whole system. And also there's 200 families uh, below them that do most of the investments every day on the stock exchange. And they slush around millions and millions of dollars, massive millions of dollars every day. But anyway, uh, that's into the, into the system that they've given us is built-in inflation. Every year things go up. And you think it's all quite natural. It goes up. And you expect a pay raise every year, too. to cope with it. And, uh, and that's how it is. But you take it back in, say, say uh, Britain too, uh, even in the 70s, someone on £7 a week could get through quite, quite, quite well. Now it's hundreds of pounds for the same thing to try to get through a week. Uh, uh, but uh, this is a bit, so you've got built-in inflation in every system. Everywhere you have a centralised private bank, you've got built-in inflation. Simple as that. It's built into the system until you end up like the peso or the lira and you, and you spend thousands of, of lira for a cup of coffee. But so of course, the official government inflation numbers have been heavily manipulated to make inflation look much lower than it actually is. So the number for today should actually be subsequently higher than $10.74. But for purposes of this article, we'll use $10.74. Well, you also have to factor in, too, uh, taxes go up and up and up as well. And the prices of everything goes up, too, with the price, the cost of living. So this isn't a lot of money, but according to the Social Security Administration, 40.28% of all workers make less than $20,000 a year in America today. So that means that more than 40% of all U.S. workers actually make less than what a full-time minimum wage worker made back in 1968. That's how far we have fallen. And and it's true. It's it's very, very true. Um, There's many articles out too over the years talking about the fact that wages haven't risen in the last 20-odd years. Uh, and even the starting wages in Canada are pretty well what they were 20 years ago for, for most uh, jobs at the bottom. They haven't gone up. So it's planned that way by those at the top, of course. And as they go into a certain phase of, of mass, mass inflation, basically, which will come along when they collapse the system, when it's time, and bring in the new system, which is planned too, uh, into austerity, uh, then you will give you a new way of living altogether. Also, too, with the Royal Institute for International Affairs, they brought in the whole idea of free trade. They gave us a World Trade organization because we didn 't put it in we didn 't get to vote on it. They gave you the IMF, the World Bank the, and uh, the Bank for International Settlements. They owned them all. Uh, they decided to to, to uh, say uh, lots of bankruptcies across the world eventually, and they would use the bankruptcies to bring in the foreign Countries and and, and foreign investors that actually buy up parts, whole chunks of the lands. In fact, they're doing it in England. Parts of the coast have been sold off to French companies and so on. And even the companies based in France are not really French at all. So you can't get, you you can't just uh, blame it on the countries where the where the company happens to be located. So there's so many con games going on. You have to really dig through it. But anyway, China cashes in on bankrupt Detroit. Well, that was planned years ago. And it says Detroit's filing for bankruptcy on June 18th was a culmination of decades of progressive politics and corruption. Detroit is a very high-profile example of some of the challenges our cities continue to face. And it says um, Kill Hughes, an analyst who tracks local finances for Pew Charitable Trust. Uh, and it says Detroit uh, and Detroit governments are living beyond their means and they're going to eventually have to pay the piper. Well, the, the public always pays the piper, as you all know, and all the mafia that runs the, the, the cities too. Says the time to paid the piper, has indeed finally arrived for Detroit. And the question is, how will the piper be paid? Some are calling for another federal bailout, but President Obama and Treasury Secretary Jack Lew, sensing the American taxpayers are in no mood for uh, mass payouts for the deadbeats, have declared there will be no bailout for the beleaguered city, at least not a direct bailout. However, the plan seems to be for Detroit and other cities in the same predicament to obtain an indirect bailout by transferring their bloated, unfunded public union pension plans to Obamacare. Interesting, eh? This would mean, of course, that the taxpayers would be stuck for billions of dollars that the city's democratic politicians promised to the union activists and welfare drones in exchange for their votes. Another alternative poison pill being promoted is a magical panacea. Let China buy Detroit and all the other bankrupt U.S. counties and municipalities. With hordes of cash and more than a trillion dollars in U.S. treasury securities, communist China state-owned enterprises can scoop up big chunks of distressed American real estate for pennies. Literally, many of Detroit's 78,000 abandoned buildings can be had for a single dollar. The fire, was, the fire sale has been underway for some time, and the Beijing regime is already a major buyer. Dozens of companies from China are putting down roots in Detroit, part of the country's steady push into the American auto industry. New York Times reported May 12th that the Chinese-owned companies are investing in American businesses and new vehicle technology, selling everything from seatbelts to shock absorbers in retail stores, and hiring experienced engineers and designers in an effort to soak up the talent and expertise of domestic automakers and their suppliers, the times uh, continued. while well, starting with batteries and auto parts, the spread of Chinese business is expected to result eventually in the sale of Chinese cars in the United States. But, of course, the Chinese also bring in their own workers, too, uh, in, in most countries. And you understand, too, there are certain free trade zones within the countries. Uh, these are pretty well sovereign zones, by the way. They were set up a long time ago by FDR in the U.S. That's how far back it goes where they can import stuff directly into that particular area, bypass all customs and everything. That's been going on since the 30s. I'm trying to get it through to people that these are long-term goals and plans, folks, by one organization that's going to go your whole lives, and your parents' lives and grandparents' lives. And most folk are oblivious to this. So anyway, that's the one about China, and it goes on and on, of course. But the different uh, Shanghai auto shows and so on, were they're promoting uh, moving to other parts of the world and their big businesses too, et cetera, et cetera, and the fire sales they can get in the U.S. And remember, too, those who signed on agreements for the World Trade Organization and all the Western countries knew darn well that once your factories were to go up and move, which was a big plan, of course, move them all and use the tax money to fund the moving of them all, which they did Uh, and still do, if you want to move over to China, then, of course, they've nothing left at home. They knew all that. They knew all this stuff. It didn't come as a surprise to them. The big think tanks work everything out step by step, what's going to happen about this, and so on, and so on. Also, a record 21 million young adults now live with their parents. It says... And uh, a year ago, we questioned the demographic demand thesis for why the U.S. housing recovery would become self-sustaining and lead to yet another fiscal monetary nirvana. However, while well, the household for, uh, for formation meme remains front and center amongst uh, blovating fed apologists, the fact is only that most folks are actually staying with their parents now. There's no homes out there. It it's talks about the nirvana that's only happened in housing. And self-sustaining and recovery and all the rest of it would happen after the last crash. And, of course, it hasn't happened at all. And a recent Pew Research study finds out that 21 million young adults are now living at home with their parents. Then they go into other countries, too, and compared them all. And I think there's one-third of young people all live with their, their parents Uh, uh, In Italy, for instance, I understand that because there's no no cooking like mums, obviously, in Italy. But uh, uh, in our countries, it's it's really really a different matter altogether. And it's so hard and expensive even to get apartments now for for young people, especially if you're you're just getting low-level jobs uh, at stacking shelves and things in supermarkets or whatever. So uh, this is a trend across the world as we get trained into austerity. And believe you me, the organizations I talk about, like the CFR and so on, did studies 40 years ago on this coming situation. It didn't. It's not happening by chance at all. None of it is. None at all. If you run the world and you run the world, you always plan the world to make sure that those at the top continue to be at the top and their offspring too. That's where they get richer and richer and richer with every generation. But they get more powerful too. And they're not going to share that power, of course, and they're internationalists at the top, always have been. And that's the plan for the future for the rest of you, is to go down the tubes, of course. I've read the book on the air, some of the parts of the book by Jack Satali, who uh, is a big shot at the United Nations. And he knows what what the whole agenda, too. And he put out the book, it was called uh, uh, Millennium. And that was back in the 90s, and he, he brought it in, and he, he said about the, the winners and losers in the coming New World Order. And he said the next boat people will be US citizens leaving, uh, looking for work abroad. And that's already happening, of course. Also, this article 2, I'll put up tonight, uh, to do with the new normals, of course. Uh, of uh, police states basically that's what we're in, we're all in police states now armed police storm a couple's house and hold them for four hours after mistaking a TV remote for a a gun and it says Michael Malone and Keith Abrams are suing police after 18 armed officers arrested them following reports they had a gun which turned out to be a remote control they were in their bed at the time and it said that um, 10 armed officers wearing body armour along with 8 uniformed police and a a dog handler busting into their home and uh, in their flats at one a.m. in the morning, they were taken from their home in Hereford and put in a, a cell where they were quizzed by a detective for four hours. Four hours! I mean, how long does it take for them to go through at an apartment, and how long did it take to, to discover a remote was there, as a remote they had in their hands even when they bust in? So uh, this is how they work. It. The police also conducted forensic fingertip searches of the property after paramedics who visited the previous day. Wrongly suspected Mr. Abraham was holding a firearm. That should, the paramedic should get his eyes tested, eh? Maybe he should stop taking the drugs he's got in, the, in his van, you know. Police had responded to a report by a paramedic who had attended the house earlier that evening after Michelle suffered a panic attack. Most folk in panic, panic attacks now, folks, is because of the medication the National Health Service is dishing out by the bucket loads as they drug the people into almost unconsciousness to get them through all the bad times. But it says the paramedic believed he'd spotted Keith holding a firearm in the bedroom. But Michelle, 46, explained how Keith, 44, had been watching TV in bed at the time of the medic's visit. And the only thing he'd been holding at the time was a remote control. How could you, how could you mistake that? Eh? How could you mistake that? But this is the new normal. As, as, as you know, 18 cops turn up all fully armed and whole bits and a smash their place and that's it. And drag you out. Uh, under this perpetual war on terrorism, uh, this become the normal. And all these TV shows, again, with the culture industry, drama series about it, ongoing, ongoing, ongoing. As we get conditioned, it's all quite normal. It's just like the movie Brazil by Terry Gilliam. It's really worth watching as a comedy, but it, it shows you the future then. And that's, what, that's how it even starts off the movie, uh, about the raid on a home, mistaken identity and all the rest of it. It's a lot of little clues in that movie, actually. It's well, well worth watching. Also, banks now are threatening to punish cities that use eminent domain to help waters, homeowners whose houses are underwater, right? Roughly half the homeowners in the Bay Area of Richmond are underwater on mortgages, but city officers have come up with a plan to float them to safety, which to the cost of banks and other moneyed interests. The city is strongly considering using the power of eminent domain to seize the homes, which are worth less than the amount owed on the mortgage, and sell them back to the owners at fair market prices. Richmond, a poor city by most measurements, has not benefited much by the recent surge in housing prices and may have the homeowners owe three or four times as much as the home is worth, according to the New York Times. You understand the real estate market too. 40 or 50 years ago, uh, people would, would buy the home from the homeowners who had them. And you went to a lawyer and you, you, made, you made the deal yourself. Now, once the, the real estate agencies got in, now they've got a, sort of a big conglomeration of the, the, like a big system a club, if you like, of, of real estate. They rigged the whole market along with the bankers and jacked all the prices up. Everything's a racket, folks, when it comes to money, big money. Anyway, it says it would be the first city in the nation to use eminent domain in this fashion, but they aren't allowed, it certainly aren't the only city that would benefit immensely from this strategy. A lot of cities with low-income minority populations were sold a ton of predatory loans that shouldn't have been offered in the first place. And the Times says that at least two dozen are actively considering the move. I'll put this one up too for those who want to to see it. It's not actually water, it just means that they're they're under a massive massive mountain of debt. For homes that aren't even worth the price. Again, thanks to the banksters who kept uh, inflating the prices and selling them off to other companies, bank after bank after bank. And they knew what they were doing. But they won't change the system, folks, won't change them. Because, see, way above those banks are the top ones that own it all. It's their system you're living in. Also, a Chinese firm paid an insider to kill his company, American CEO, says... And it says federal prosecutors have charged Chinese firm Sinovel with stealing U.S. intellectual property. Sinovel has denied wrongdoing. NBC News national investigative correspondent Michael Isikoff reported a Chinese energy firm offered big money to access uh, and, and access to women to entice an engineer at a U.S. company to launch a cyber raid on his employer, stealing sense of computer codes and thereby cheating the firm. That's just uh, industrial sabotage. Espionage, Out of more than $800 million, I newly unsealed court documents and term messages and emails obtained by the NBC News, And um, they called the alleged cyber theft from the American superconductor AMSC in Devons, Massachusetts, one of the most brazen cases of Chinese economic espionage in the United States. Techniques the Chinese used to rob the company of three quarters of its revenue, half its workforce, and more than $1 billion in market value were straight out of a spy novel, the firm's CEO said in an interview with the NBC News. It's funny because last month I read the articles about, I think it was um, Smith Klein, that were bribing people over in China to take on all their drugs and offering them all the same kind of things. This is standard big business, folks. There's nothing... There's nothing honest in business and there's no honest business there, up there. It just doesn't, doesn't happen. It doesn't happen. Also, at its meeting on 26th of June the European Council which is this big new Soviet system uh, that Marx predicted would come in uh, it says, and it was formed and set up by the Royal chief of International Affairs. The European Council reached a joint position regarding how to intervene in insolvent banks in the future supported by the European Parliament which has no power at all. This agreement will offer strong protection for retail depositors, although it will not completely break the loop between the bank risk and sovereign risk. The Council has ratified the use of the bail-ins that's stealing the depositors' money, uh, as far as from 2018 as a main instrument to recapitalize such banks. Trading losses amongst bank creditors as a previous step before injecting public money. Up to 2018, a similar system to the one in Spain will be used, which the European Commission will specify before August and then they give you the order of senior oratory as, as to who gets paid when the banks collapse. And it gives you all the, the top ones, and then all the ones at the bottom, uh, the ordinary folk who are, are plundered. All the private uh, companies and so on will get paid off, or they're okay to okay, they get their money out. But all the private people at the bottom are to be scalped, and, and their money is to be stolen by the banks. And it's now legal to steal your money by the banks, by this ruling. Now it says 2018, We'll no start it, but actually it's 2015. And even Canada signed on to do the same thing too for 2015. Quite a system we live in, eh? But they won't change it, folks. It's never worked. It's never worked, but they won't change it. Because you see, they run the world as big boys at the top. And they won't give up that kind of power. Why should they? Power never gives itself up. But the system you're living in is the one they gave to you. Your reality is the one they gave to you. You think it's normal. From Hamish, myself, Ontario, Canada, is good night to me. A god of your gods go with you.